This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Holy cow, folks. President-elect Donald Trump. Hey, what happened? Who would have thunk? Uh, good morning to you. Half the country's morning, half the country in disbelief, probably. Can't believe it. What a night. I actually stayed up quite late trying to uh, take it all in, trying to understand what happened. I still don't think anybody understands exactly what happened. No. But uh, it, it, we've said it on the show one million times. There's something behind Donald Trump, like him or not, people are angry. <laughs> People were mocking his what, secret vote, they were calling yeah. it, the, 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 the Trump voter who wasn't answering polls honestly or they weren't being polled at right. all. That's probably more of the, the story is the people that were being polled as to who you're going to vote for weren't being talked well, to. Because they were that, talking about the Hispanic community. They were talking about certain women. They, they were talking about minorities, African-Americans. None of those were the Trump coalition. No. It was kind of middle America. And – Again, I think it just tells us that having any president get a third term through another person, it's just very difficult. That's always been the the trend yeah. is that you, you have two terms of one president in whatever party that is. It flips, it flips. the other way. There was the anomaly after Reagan or George H.W., but he only lasted a one term. Oh, it's great. So, but th- this yesterday, final polling, right? Bloomberg politi- politics had Clinton by three, CBS Clinton by four, 538 Clinton by four, Fox News Clinton by four. Uh, what? The New York Times upshot Clinton by three, R- Rasmussen had Clinton by two, Holy Wall cow. Street Journal Clinton by four, Washington Post Clinton by four. And Clinton lost by two. There's the the USC LA Times poll, which had been said to have a whole bunch of problems and was inaccurate. It had Trump by three. Mm. And then there's the international business yeah. paper that won one I saw that and I thought, oh, there's another one. Trump by two. I thought Drudge found a poll that they can like. Yeah. But it was discounted. LA it was Times uh, USC poll killed it. That was it. They had Trump ahead the for entire quite time. a while. Yeah, but people looked at, oh, it's an outlier. Don't worry about that one. Unbelievable. It's good. They have the Senate. They They'll have, have Congress. Oh, my heavens. So what are their – they have Hannity? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, but this will mean that uh, government will be functional on some level, I guess. Well, I think what you're going to see the first month is the repealing of every executive order. Well, that will go away the second Obama's out of office. All those executive orders are absolved the second he's not president. Do they disappear? I I believe so. Oh, I thought they stay on until somebody does something. Well, maybe they have to actually do something, but, you know, it's – He's not just going to let him sit there if he doesn't agree with him. Supreme Court? Yes. And that that should be simple, oh. right? Right now, there's like two or three justices that are thinking, ah, now I've got to live four more years. I've got to outlive this. Merrick Garland is looking for yep. a different career path. I mean, he'll Bader be a, Ginsburg's got to take care federal, of her health. He's still a federal court judge, but he won't be on the Supreme Court. Crazy. We will be talking about it all morning. Today, by the way, is also Chaos Never Dies Day. <laughs> just happens. Hmm. Well, it just happens, right? It just happens. Because it, what election day is the first Tuesday after the first Monday, so it could be any date. It just happens today. 
happens to be today. Also chaos. sounds like the name of a James Bond movie, too. Chaos Never Dies. Really, uh, the, the other thing about this, though, is it's our country is in pain. <laughs> And you're in pain either way. There's a lot of stuff that's happened to middle America over the last three years that have been – it's been mind-blowing. And the LGBT, Black Lives Matter, all of these things that have put them, I think, in a frenzy. And how do we, how do we unite this? And is Donald Trump one that can actually unite it? His, his, his I guess, acceptance speech was – Really amazing for something Donald Trump puts together. Very non-primary like. Very. It's 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 like it's almost like he ran on primary, ran the primary a completely different way than he is Let's as hope. a human being. Let's but hope. if if he sounded presidential all through the election, there's no way he would have won. If you're, it might be right, he had to be angry with change and have enough ugly energy, I think, to stir that that entire group of. Uh, Middle America. Let's. Uh, we'll be talking with Joe Cannon about it in depth. I'm dying to find out what Joe thinks. Um, again, who would have thought he would have won the primaries, let alone the general election? We'll find out more about that. But first, let's get to Sadie Nielsen, find out more about what's going on around the rest of the country. Sadie? Shortly after 2.30 a.m. Eastern Time, the Associated Press called the 2016 presidential election for Republican nominee Donald Trump. The call capped off a night of twists and turns, including surprise victories for Trump in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, and Ohio. All states that Hillary Clinton was favored to win, even if by slight margins. Early into Wednesday, the Democratic nominee had not spoken publicly. A Clinton aide said that she called Trump to concede the election and to congratulate him on his victory. The Republican Party retained uh, control of the U.S. Senate when just past 1 a.m. Eastern Time, the Associated Press called Pennsylvania's U.S. Senate race for the incumbent Pat Toomey, who defeated his Democratic challenger. No matter the outcome in the presidential race, the GOP will have a majority in both the upper chamber and the lower chamber for the next, for at least the next two years. Additionally, Richard Burr and John McCain won their re-election races in North Carolina and Arizona, respectively. Ron Johnson kept his seat in Wisconsin. President-elect Donald Trump took the stage at the Hilton Hotel in Midway, Midtown Manhattan early Wednesday morning to a jubilant crowd, bowing to heal the wounds caused by this year's presidential campaign. He told the crowd that Hillary Clinton called him to concede the race. We owe her a major debt of gratitude for, for, to her for her service of our country, Trump said of Clinton, congratulating her on a hard-fought campaign. He pledged to be a president for all Americans. He also delivered a message to the rest of the world saying, while we will always put Americans' interests first, we will deal fairly with everyone, with everyone and all people and all other nations. We will seek common ground, not hostility, partnership, not conflict. And finally... Yes. Um, more Trump news, because why not? Trump's the deal. Uh, party organizers for Donald Trump took the cake on election night. A large cake that resembled oh, yeah, a, that was weird. a that was bust scary. of a Republican presidential nominee was wheeled into the Midtown Hilton in Manhattan on Tuesday, where it was later placed on display. But the Internet wasn't so amused by the cake's looks. Some said it looked like the head of Gollum from <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah. People don't look good as cakes. You know what? No. It's hard to pull off a good cake, cake encourature. Yeah. He looked so fat. <laughs> like, he, way, way more chubby, just, chubby than he does. Yeah, yeah. He was more jowls. But I think more jowls on a cake means more cake. I'm sorry. I think anybody looks good as a cake. <laughs> cake Have you seen the, tr- the Trump cake? Jeff? I would eat it in a heartbeat. 
That's true. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't eat it. Don't get me wrong. I would totally eat it. But I just would rather not have his face on my cake. Well, thank you. Man, can you really have your cake? And eat it too? And eat it too? Club 12. <laughs> you are. You are. You're, you're going to love President Trump. So what a night. Um, at the end, I mean, the, let me tell you one of my most probably enjoyable moments. Was it when the Canada's immigration website crashed about 9, 20, no. 11, no. 20 Eastern? That no. wasn't okay. it. Because it did. Did it? Yeah, it crashed. I did not notice that. People it, checking out their options. It was when, um, and we'll be talking about that a lot today. Um <laughs> We actually have a new sponsor for the show. We won't be revealing, I don't think, the sponsor until the 8 o'clock hour. But the sponsor is from Canada. It's the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, in case somebody feels a need to leave. Um, The reality is, though, my favorite moment was watching all of the media try to explain what was happening. Do you remember everything we said for the last six months? We were totally wrong. Right. <laughs> like, what about polls? In fact, I think that is what Anderson Cooper said. So what went wrong here? How come we don't have any of this data? Um, let's get to a couple of things. Hillary Clinton didn't end up having a, doing a speech for her people. She had thousands of people gathered for the big party. She sent uh, John Podesta, her uh, campaign chairman, out to tell everyone, hey, it's too close to call. Head on home. We'll have more to say in the morning. We'll have an announcement in the morning. And I get it. I mean, I get you got to count the votes and do the tallies. But go talk to your people, especially if you knew you're going to concede I don't think she had later. a concession speech planned. No, they had they had to put away the confetti cannons in that facility they were in. Yeah, so. they had to disarm the confetti cannons. <laughs> she will speak, by the way, in about 15 minutes. Yeah, we probably need to uh, be watching that. In yeah. fact, you can then go – you can, in your Hillary Clinton voice, come back and tell us what she said. Okay. Here is what Trump said as he received a phone call. So he comes on the stage. His, basically, it's his acceptance speech. Um, uh This is Donald Trump on the phone call from Hillary. I've just received a call from Secretary Clinton. She congratulated us. It's about us on our victory. And I congratulated her and her family on a very, very hard fought campaign. I mean, she she fought very hard. She congratulated us, and it is about us. I mean, honestly, do you, when have you heard that? Not from him. It's amazing. But, I mean, some are saying, you know, that's kind of who he is. He just knew to win, you had to be us against them. And uh, he played that pretty well. Here is uh, Trump more compliments about Clinton. Hillary has worked... Very long and very hard over a long period of time. And we owe her a major debt of gratitude for her service to our country. I mean that very sincerely. Hmm. So when he allegedly made the deal with the Clintons to get in the final of the of the election and then lose it to her. Right. He must have bait and switched him. So was this a double cross? It was a double cross. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go back to the conspiracy. The conspiracy that he was only doing this to help her win the election. 
He double-crossed her. Um, Trump on being president for everyone. Now it's time for America to bind the wounds of division. Have to get together. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. I pledge to every citizen of our land that I will be president for all Americans. And this is so important to me. Hmm. There's, there's that one guy. Woohoo! Wow! <laughs> the guy that's too, you know, intoxicated because apparently yeah. they, they restocked the bar. Yes. Because they had been there so long. <laughs> um, now, uh, wow, those are the exact words he needs to be saying, right? Mm-hmm. Trump for everyone. Does he sound sedated? He sounds like he's a little slower. It is, it is 2 o'clock Eastern or 3 a.m. Eastern. It, but so. so maybe this is also him trying to bring on a different tone. Uh-huh. Like, And so is it sincerity? It, is that the word the we're looking for? Whatever. It wow. is. It might be. What if it's sincerity? He also, by the way, completely used a teleprompter, which was brilliant. And um, it was interesting to see the lineup of everybody that he had on the stage. Like Sessions, the first senator uh, was it, is it Bill Sessions uh, came out of like the Arkansas an Arkansas senator, Alabama senator. Um, oh yeah, he he came out of nowhere. Like, but he was the very first guy to ever support Trump, and he supported him through the entire thing. He, I mean, you can almost see the cabinet standing there: Rudy Giuliani, Chris Christie, Bill Se- uh, something Sessions. Um, what's her name? Kellyanne Conway. Honestly. Brilliant. Yeah. When she stepped in, it changed how people saw him. But she, as a pollster, knew something. She was. She knew the entire time. The only one. Something was going on. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Uh, here I have the Republican committee's model as of last Friday had Trump finishing 30 electoral votes short of the tally needed to win. Yeah. So their internal, the, their party's internal uh, polling numbers even were off. Man. At this point. <laughs> Just, he destroyed the blue wall. And, I mean, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Are you kidding? North Carolina he did get. Pennsylvania almost had Virginia. Uh, Wisconsin got it. Michigan, I, I, don't know, I don't know what happened to Michigan. Yeah, I went to bed. One I'll point. Have to go look, yeah. But he blew that wall up. Almost, I mean, they were even saying at midnight last night he could get Minnesota. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, those are supposed to be... Safe areas for so, Democrats. Here's an interesting thing we'll have to talk to the uh, the Master Joe about. Um, does this? Did he just broaden the coalition? Did he just all of a sudden did he move blue collar, you know, Rust Belt people into the GOP? Maybe he's colorblind, or he doesn't see colors. <laughs> did he take over the GOP? Yeah. Now the GOP has to adjust. Well, yeah, the GOP, the old GOP, I think is dead. The Romney, the McCain, well, I mean, honestly. But what about the entire leadership of oh. the House and the Senate at the moment? No, They're exactly. not well, really on the Trump train. Well, guess what? They're going to get on it. Because he, now you've got the guy that will sign everything. So all you got to start doing is bringing in the deals. He's yeah. the deal maker. I mean, I think things are going to have to change. I mean, honestly, this is also Bernie Sanders people. I, I'll bet you bucks we'd, we'll find out Bernie went – Bernie Sanders, a lot of his people, went with Trump. They're ticked. And by the way, four years ago, Obama wins a second term. The talk is the Republican Party's dead. Do you remember? They dead. did their autopsy. They the come out and we have to take a right. new, whole new approach here. 
And four years later, they take and the White House. 16 candidates then were supposed to be, take a new approach, and they all lost to some wild, wispy-haired, blonde toe-head, <laughs> fake toe-head. <laughs> and all of a sudden, boy, is that the GOP? I mean, is he even representing really the GOP? No, I think he's representing the Trump party. Wow. Okay, we'll take a break. When we come back, visit... Uh, with Joe Cannon, find out what's going on there. At the end of the hour, we'll be, I got it, we got to play a clip from Stephen Colbert. Pretty interesting uh, little insight there. Stick with us. Trying to make sense of it all. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, we got to make sense of this. Who better to bring on than the guy we've been bringing on all year? Uh, Joe Cannon joins us. We call him Joe in the Know. He's a former chairman of the Utah Republican Party, uh, also was a candidate for U.S. Senate, and served in the Reagan administration, and was the editor of the Deseret News newspaper. And, uh, boy, also CEO, by the way, of Fuel Freedom Foundation, an organization trying to lower fuel costs for the uh, for the people here in the United States. Joseph Cannon, my friend, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Matthew. Thanks for having me. I'm speaking to you from the District of Columbia. Are you there? Uh, I am right here. Hey. I'm right here in the city, in the place. Talk, talk about unreal. This is a city <laughs> in which Donald J. Trump got four percent <laughs> and he's moving in in about two months three months <laughs> he's moving in he's moving in about three blocks from where i'm sitting right now is is the entire town is the entire district is it on fire is it imploding <laughs> no well as, as president obama said yesterday the sun will come up and did come up this morning yeah. not very not very long after i went to sleep yeah <laughs> was that Joe, what do you think? I mean, unbelievable, like historic, crazy, chaotic event. Well, I was uh, texting uh, a friend of mine who lives in Washington, uh, kind of arranging dinner plans, and he was kind of making a joke about Trump, and I texted back. So I'm just going to say this right from the beginning. I texted back saying, I see no scenario in which Donald J. Trump becomes the next president. Ah, totally. You know, I'm just like everybody else, um, like not everybody else. I, I, I will just say big, huge, astronomical kudos mm. to Kellyanne Conway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone was thinking, why is he going to Minnesota and Wisconsin right. and Michigan? And, you know, well, Pennsylvania people understood, although I I – do not know one person, and I have not heard of one person, uh, including any Republican I know, who said that they really thought it could take Pennsylvania. Right. No. I mean, but it's the. I guess what we're finding. We knew. We've talked about it on the show a lot. That there is a very angry group of people, electorate, that feels like they've been lost. They feel like some of the decisions from the Supreme Court, from um, just other parts of the, the overregulation of the Obama kind of White House has created issues. It's but why weren't they being why weren't they being polled? How did how did how was it this big of a surprise? Well, I 
I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh, a, a lot of the commentary. I mean, I, I went crazy. Talk about going crazy, just going back and forth between all the different channels. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of smart people thinking about this. Uh, one takeaway is is that there probably were a lot of people who didn't say they were for Trump. Now, that, I think, is kind of an inside-the-beltway thing, because I think most of the people who might have been afraid to say they were for Trump right. live in New York or Washington, D.C. or or California. And that's not, not very many people. If you look at the rest of the country, he got huge crowds. So I think the biggest I don't I think there might have been a hidden Trump thing or there might 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 have been a slight amount of that uh with polls. I think the bigger thing though is none of the polling models and, and all polls have models, you know, it's not that they're biased. You have to make some guess about turnout. You have to say yeah. how many, you know Hispanic, white, what percentage uh, yeah, African American. Yeah. Yeah, and so you, you you lay all those things out, and and you have to you have to make judgments. But all polls were wrong. That's the funny thing. It's not, it's not they were all wrong, maybe in different ways, but they were all wrong. Okay, but the big takeaways were there was not the gender gap that anyone thought. Hmm. So actually, Trump won lots and lots of women voters. Yeah, way disproportionate to what, what any model, I think, predicted. You had also uh, Clinton was simply not able to put together the Obama coalition. So she underperformed significantly uh, in African-American vote, Hispanic vote, uh, even women vote. Right. So that that you just didn't get what you were going to. Uh, oh, go ahead, Joe. Uh, you, you, you didn't get what you were going to say. Get, get what you what people thought you were going to see. So that. So I think the polls just they just didn't simply guess some of those the turnout numbers. Yeah. And then also you had huge turnout. You had huge turnout in uh, in some of those demographics that you know people wanted to make a statement. Mm. It was. It's a, I mean, it really. <laughs> after two years uh, or two um, two times of Romney, you know, getting the beat down, and then. You know, it kind of leaves some of us disheartened, and then um, you don't know who to trust, what to believe. What does it teach all of the talking heads? What does it teach the media who forever—I mean, Trump said a lot of very stupid things. It's interesting. He still got a pretty good share of the women's vote, even though 70 percent of women think he's he, he spoke—he's— he, uh, He's I don't know. He he was, I guess, a misogynist. Seventy percent thought he had issues with that. But they allegedly but they still have voted him in. Right. So um, what does that say? It, it, well, um, you know, there was a lot of, of the commentary last night who, you know, obviously talked about that issue because, you know, how you know he's clearly on record as saying things that are unbelievably horrible. Unbelievably yeah. horrible. So, yeah. so there's there's just no denying that. But I also think, and and uh, it'll be very interesting as the days go forward how this works out. But it, it turns out that Clinton was a really bad candidate. You know, for all of the very smart people that she had around her, she didn't go to Wisconsin after the convention. Right. Oh, right. She only she only showed up in Michigan the last week and. You know, I so I think they they made some tactical 
mistake. So they had a vaunted turnout machine, and that probably worked pretty well in a lot of places. But um, they didn't uh, they didn't really get that, that there there might be trouble in um, in uh, uh, what I'll call Reagan Reagan Democrat land. Yeah, I mean to not show up in Wisconsin just cost her Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, she only lost well, by, uh, what, two points? So, um, yeah. I mean, okay. So so what is, I guess, what does it mean going forward? It's It seems like some sort of a mandate with Trump uh, winning, but also now having the Senate, now having uh, Congress, now having uh, the rights to pick the Supreme Court justices for the next four years. He's He's got a yeah. lot on his, he's got a lot of a, a strong mandate, doesn't he? Well, yeah, I would say it's not a sort of a mandate. I think uh, uh, people a week ago, people on both sides of the aisle were talking about the end of the Republican Party, how horrible this is. There's going to be a lot of uh, recrimination. There's going to be a lot of soul searching. Well, you know, a lot of the commentators last night on the left from the Democrats were saying, you know, maybe we should be talking about the soul searching on the Democrat side. Um so yeah, no, it's it's historic. I mean, it's you know not only did you know they kept the Republicans kept the Senate, they kept the House, uh, they picked up three governors. They already they already owned more red states than the Democrats, and they just picked up three mm. more governors, a net net three of governors. So you have um, a, a tremendous. Uh, well, whether it's a mandate or not, I mean, look right now. The last just a few minutes ago, I looked. Uh, Clinton is still is slightly ahead yeah. in the uh, popular vote. Now it's it's a, it's within a hair, so it's you know it's it's close, and and uh, so she may end up winning the popular vote uh, slightly. But um, no, he's coming in with a situation that uh, Ronald Reagan didn't have. Mm. Ronald Reagan did. Ronald Reagan. Here's an interesting, you know. Uh, People say Mark Twain said this. No one actually knows who said it, but history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of rhyming going on today. I remember in 1980, in November, being in the Washington Hilton, Capitol Hilton, I guess. It's Washington Hilton up on Connecticut Avenue. I worked on the Reagan campaign, and we're sitting around, and it became clear that Reagan had won by – a sign- by a landslide, in that case, a popular vote and in uh, uh, electoral vote. But the real poignant moment of the evening came when it was flashed up on all the screens that a young guy named Dan Quayle hmm. knocked off a guy named Birch Bayh in Indiana, yeah. thereby flipping the Senate Republican. Well, last night... Um, Birch Bayh's son, Evan, a very popular guy, very nice guy. I mean, I, oddly, I've been in meetings with him. He's a very nice guy. He lost. Yeah. And almost no one expected that until the last few days. It looked like it was tightening up. So you, you had some pretty significant shifts. I mean, you, you had Republicans win. Ron Johnson won in Wisconsin. Nobody, to quote to quote uh, numerous analysts last night, uh he was left for dead a long time ago, <laughs> uh, senator from Wisconsin. Yeah, people, no, no money was going into that state on his behalf. So it was. Um, how uh, how much of this would you say is third is third party? 
I mean, it seems like uh, the third party took just about the difference in in most of those swing states. It could be, and it's hard to say who who was voting for the third party. And that that'll be one thing to to analyze. I mean, my guess is is that most of the third party vote would have gone for Trump, but maybe mm. not a Republican, but but maybe not. Maybe you had Sanders voters in there. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. But you're right. That it, it counted. It counted for a, a chunk of the difference in some of those states. Wow. I mean, do you remember thinking, okay, it's the it's the Clintons. They have the machine. They have all the money. They had the global initiative. Well, the global. There are many people are going to be as, as again. Not, I'm sounding redundant with uh, all the commentary commentators, but people are going to be writing about this election because uh, a couple of things happened. It turns out you can't buy the election. Yeah, you know the the Clintons spent vastly more money as a campaign than the Trump campaign. The third party support, the third the, the outside of party uh, independent PAC, spent a lot more on the Democrat side. I think a one. I'm just guessing this, but we'll, uh, so much needs to be uh, unpacked here. But um, Reince Priebus is going to come out as a hero here. Because oh. Trump had no ground game. To the extent there was any so-called ground game anywhere in the country, it was the Republican National Committee. Uh, um, they, they performed in a lot of these places. Yeah. Well, and and um, he also seems to have blown up maybe some of the models for how you how you do this. Today. I mean, his whole his whole mentality was just hold more events. Just hold more rallies. Get them in the room. Rally them up. Psych them up. Talk them up. Get them to go out and vote. Have Reince's people to the degree that they can turn it out. Um, but I mean, it, he, they didn't use no, they, a lot of people. A lot of people, including myself, just ridiculed whenever you talk. When Trump talked, when all of his surrogates, everybody talked. Look at the crowds. Look at the crowds. Don't right. look at the polls. Look at the crowds. Well, guess what? There, there's something was there. Because those crowds showed up, and there's no question there was an enthusiasm gap. Mm. But I, I've never seen it so dramatically manifest at uh, in an election. I mean, that, oh. uh, that that had to be a big a big piece of this. It's uh, for a guy, a systems guy like me. I I like change. I mean, not that this is you know ideal, but. It's different, and it seems like – and we'll, we'll, let's talk about it when we come back. I mean this is following more of a global trend of Brexit. Uh, the French elections will be coming up soon. German elections will be coming up. Uh, kind of a nationalistic trend where people are hunkering down, protecting their country, closing the borders. Uh, and uh, Trump's done the Trump's – the Trump's exit. The Trump's exit. I don't know what you call it. The Brexit of Trump. Anyway, we'll talk more about it with Joe in the know. Stick with us, folks, helping you uh, unwind this and find out what we can learn. We'll find out what, what it means going forward. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, wow. Still trying to understand 
the uh, the the results from last night's election with Donald Trump, the new president elect. Un. Believable. On the phone with us is Joe in the know, Joe Cannon. He's the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation and uh, has just so much experience in, in fact, right now he's in D.C., but so much experience in politics that we like to pick his brain as we go through this. Joe, welcome back, my friend. Hey, thanks, Matt. So, what do you think? I mean, it seems like to me, Donald Trump is the guy that will get, do whatever he has to do to get the job. He got it. How do you think he'll turn out as a as a leader, as a president, as a as as a results well, guy? Well, you know, I've, I've been stewing on it. I I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of evidence of his. Uh, well, it's a, a, there's plenty of evidence that you could say we should be very careful. But I'd, I'd offer a few thoughts on this. First, whoever thought that a paper that you wrote when you were an undergraduate would make any difference? But I've been stewing on this. When, as an undergraduate political science major at BYU, I wrote a paper called, on role theory. It was kind of a popular theory in those days, in the 60s and 70s. But basically, the theory says uh, when, you be, when you're put in a role where there's all kinds of external and internal expectations, you will act differently. Hmm. And so the, so the presidents who are one way, and, and a lot of, there are a lot of examples, Harry Truman is an example of it. Uh, even Franklin Roosevelt, we think in retrospect, Franklin Roosevelt was really a great president, but he was actually just kind of a, a narcissistic rich kid governor huh. who became president. And it turns out he had the Depression and World War II, and he emerged as a very strong leader. So Interesting. there are certain factors in this office are going to shape even Donald Trump. Now, the other thing I would say, is, I guess offer two other thoughts, uh, I was really interested. Uh, I, the reason I stayed up, like I'm sure many people, is what, if anything, was Trump going to say? And you know what? Uh, mm. I, I don't want to say it was a Lincoln speech, but it was a Lincoln-esque speech where he talks about binding up wounds. Yeah. You know, that's, a religious, that's a religious phrase that a Lincoln would have and did use, uh, phrases like that. He didn't say with, you know, uh, malice toward none, charity towards all, famous Lincoln uh, quote, but he was extremely gracious. I would say astonishingly gracious to Secretary Clinton, reaching out, uh, very kind words. I, I mean, it was it was an amazing speech. Yeah. For me, it was amazing. It, 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 I, I thought to myself, where was that? Why couldn't there have been a little bit of that right. on the campaign trail? That would have given, I mean, I think if, if more people had seen that side of him, uh, it might have been a bigger mandate for no, him. No, right. And, and I, it, it, was, it, was, it was a perfect speech. And he would have, he would have received a, probably more support from um, those, maybe the Reagan kind of Democrat that was coming over anyway. I don't know. Um, one thing that I was thinking is uh, somebody asked me um, how I thought he would lead. And because I had just been to the Reagan um, Museum and or the Reagan Library. And he's not okay. Everyone always tries to compare a conservative to Reagan. But one thing, Donald is a communicator. Donald is using the new mediums, the the new social media. They're using he's using the Internet uh, better than probably any candidate in, in a weird way. But it worked totally for him. Um, I wonder if he if he won't build a really strong coalition against uh, with him, a team around him, because it doesn't seem like he wants to 
I, I, many times I questioned if he wanted to be president, except for just the egoic side of it. Um, but he, it also seems like he sincerely, based on his talk last night, wants to create change. And I wonder if he won't learn to bridge some of this stuff to get change done. Well, uh, he doesn't need to bridge very much to get change done. I mean, one, one of the stunning things about it is, is the, the depth and breadth of uh, keeping a Republican coalition very solid. So uh, so there's going to be change. There will be significant change, and a lot of it won't be compromise. A lot of it will be uh, just undoing the executive orders through which uh, President Obama did an enormous amount of what he did was through executive orders, and also an enormous amount of what he did uh, I don't know who knows what is exactly going to happen with Obamacare, but mm. it passed both houses of Congress with not one Republican vote. Right. And now each of those bodies has a majority of Republicans. And if you recall, it passed the Senate under a rule mm. that prevented uh, filibuster. So whatever is going to undo it will be done. At least that one thing will be done without the filibuster rule. So, That'll be pretty interesting. I, I do want to also say something else. Um, uh, our, our foundation, the Fuel Freedom Foundation, is nonpartisan and, uh, and uh, a not-profit. But we have met with both the Clinton transition teams and the Trump transition team. Mm. Uh, and I will say the Trump transition team is very well organized, is very well staffed with a lot of really smart people. A lot of it. Mm. So whatever the face of Donald Trump has been as a candidate, uh, Chris Christie has put together a very substantial, very thoughtful transition team. Starting back in June, uh, he's been working on it. I've, I've met the executive director of the team and, and others on that team. And uh, they're smart, thoughtful sophisticated people. Now, everyone has always wondered who know what the fact I'm telling you is not, well, well, maybe it's not widely known. Lots of kind of Washington insiders do know of this transition team. The big question is, well, how will Trump connect up with this transition team? Or is he just going to, is that just going to be another Washington group? But the transition team is very smart people. Now, they are deadly earnest about implementing Trump's vision. Hmm. And and I am very loath to compare Trump with Reagan. Yeah, yeah. To say that, um, but, but having said that, there's some things about there's some things about him that are that are similar. Reagan only had Reagan had a few ideas, three or four things that were incredibly important to him, and that's what he focused on. I think Trump is a little bit that way. There are some issues that he's focused on. Yeah. Is he going to build a wall? Is he going to do everything he said in immigration? No. There's a lot of it that he can't do. But he will do something on immigration. We will see something done on immigration. Uh, now, that's going to pass through a Congress. I mean, uh, we've, we've, we've kidded about this in the past, but there is this pesky thing called the Constitution. <laughs> and um, Does that have to get in the way? Well, it, it, <laughs> a number of commentators said, you know, talked about this last night, but it's not exactly like uh, the House and the Senate were all in for Donald J. Trump. Okay? Right, right. Uh, there was a lot of nose-holding by the leaders in those bodies. So, yeah, there were some 
strong partisans in each body that supported Trump, but a lot of people didn't. So Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, I think that they will seek harmony. I mean, it's definitely not going to be the hostility that there was in the last few years between uh, Democrat Obama and Republican House and Senate. So there won't be that edge, but there are differences. But he wants to do a lot of things that um, are going to cost a lot of money, for example. So the most substantive thing he said in his his talk last night was about infrastructure, building infrastructure. Well, that costs a lot of money. And, you know, Republicans, happily in my view, are budget hawks to the extent anybody has been restrained on the budget. It's been it's been Republicans. Now, they've spent a lot more money than a lot of people wanted also. But. There, there, you can see points of conflict, but he's, but I just getting out of the weeds here, getting back up. He's got a very thoughtful, a uh, lot of smart people working on his transition right now, and uh, so it's not like he's just this guy who yeah. woke up one day in, in New York City became the president. You know, there's thousands of political appointees that need to be made, and they're being vetted. But by the way, some of these people who are very playing very key roles on the transition team also played very key roles in the uh, Reagan transition. Oh, really? I don't, I don't think we mentioned this before, but oddly, I, I actually worked on the Reagan transition team in 1980, hmm. 81. And um, a lot of familiar faces, a lot of the same, uh, not, not all, but a number of the same people. Oh, wow. Because he's going, he needs to get results if he wants to, it seems like, um, you know, keep the mandate going, but also, I, I guess, re- kind of rebuild and reunify. I mean, if if he does what he says he's going to do, um, there's like the Hispanic vote was so interesting to me because 35 percent, he's still got 35 percent of the Hispanic vote, even though he yeah, was no, yeah. blowing up, um, blowing up uh, Mexico. And I mean, he, he really broke every rule from the Pope to what you can say about women, to what you can talk about in a debate. He literally broke every rule. Um, I, I guess I guess in the end, I, I hope your role theory is right, because he's, well, he's in a I new role it's now. Right, but it, my, my only, the only reason I even brought that up was that, that the speech to me oh, yeah. was, astoni- it was astonishing I agree. on a lot of different levels. And so you know, you're going to say, well, okay, he wants to bind up wounds. He wants to reach out. There was no locker up Hillary. There was none of that. Uh, and so we'll see. I mean, that's a one speech, one very small, brief speech doesn't change everything. And there are, and there are significant cleavages, which he's going to have to pay attention to because that's how he wants. Yeah. And the, uh, this is Brexit, though, right? I mean, this is a global movement. And Trump kind of, you know, made it American. <laughs> But there's a there's a there's a nationalistic kind of movement where everyone's protecting their country. They're trying to tighten up borders. Isn't that the case too? Could be. I mean, it could be a xenophobic, you know, nationalistic uh, trend. But it may also be a reaction against a lot of things. I mean, there is a sense, uh, and you know, David Gergen said this. A number of the commentators from the center left and left said this, that, gee, maybe we don't, of course, a lot of people saying, gee, what kind of a country do we live in? There's a lot of that. There's also a lot of, well, 
you know, maybe there is something to this elite structure. I mean, the entire cultural elite, mm. universities, Hollywood, big business, <clears throat> you know, big business, Wall Street gave many, 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 many times the amount of money to Clinton as they did to Trump. And a lot of the folks who gave Trump money were known, known to be mavericks. So you have this sort of cultural hegemony yeah. uh, running the country in a, in a pretty much bipartisan way. And and so that that may may be the thing that's going at work here, not simply this nativism uh, nationalism, uh, you know, parochialism. I mean, there, there. This just could have been a rebellion against uh, this, this. What I call this hegemony of the mm. cultural elite, and saying no, you know, no. And and so a lot of people. I mean, he got an astonishing number and percent of evangelical voters. Yeah. Okay. How how could that be? Well, it could be because a, a huge chunk of that was well. However bad he is, whatever he is, whatever he is uh, morally, he's not Hillary. Mm. And and uh, evangelicals in particular, lots of lots of uh, religious voters who voted for him were thinking of one thing. They were thinking of who's going to replace uh, Nino Scalia on the Supreme yeah. Court. That's true. And uh, and he answered of all the things he said all along, you know, all of the stuff on on immigration. A lot of it's just incoherent and we who, who knows how that can uh fulfill itself in terms of policy but the one thing he had absolute clarity on is he put out a list of 20 potential supreme court nominees all of which were acceptable to yeah. people on the right yeah and that that was the single most specific thing he did as a candidate and that's the where he's going to have the most impact where do you think the Democratic Party goes from here? I mean, forever the talk well, has been how broken the Republicans are. Now what? Uh, many Democrats last night said, okay, we've been talking about the death of the Republican Party. Maybe we ought to talk about what, what introspection needs to go on on our side, on the Democrat side. And so, you know, will there be recriminations? Uh, I don't know. Democrats seem to be a lot more unified yeah. than Republicans do. You know, the Republicans are like a bunch of parties somehow coalescing. But, <laughs> but there has to be some introspection here. There has to be some thinking because nothing happened. I mean, like a week ago, people were talking about, gee, maybe maybe the Democrats are going to take the House. Uh, I, I personally never thought that was possible, but I thought it was easily possible that the Democrats could take the Senate. And they did. They picked up one seat. Mm. Um, and uh, so it's, it's talk. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of rumination going on on the on the Democrat side of things. Oh, can you imagine? Um, just talk as we wrap up. We have about a minute more. Talk about. Uh, so is is the republic dead? Are we done? Are we destroyed? Is it over? Is there any? Hope, um, what do we say to half the country that's disgusted and half the country that can't be more happy? Well, I don't know that there are half the country can't be more happy. There are plenty of people who are happy that Hillary lost and plenty of people crushed that Hillary lost. I, I don't think that's the same number of people who are happy mm. that Trump won. So I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I would leave on the one side. It's an extremely resilient country. Uh, there's a lot of discussion whether America is exceptional or not. I mean, I come down on the exceptional side of things. 
but it is a country that's different from any other country on the planet. We have a, a deeply embedded constitution. That constitutional system worked. We're not looking at 2000 where they were fighting. I thought when Podesta came out, we'd be looking that they were going to fight every yeah. piece of nail. Every, and no, instead, she conceded minutes. Right. After that, after that talk, it was all done. It was all done. We've had a transition in power, uh, and we have a resilient country, and it'll be really interesting to see how we go forward. Uh. Great insight. Joe, thank you so much for uh, your your time, and uh, good luck there in D.C. Hope you live through it uh, with the craziness going on. Boy. Joe Cannon's his name, CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. If you go to fuelfreedom.org, you can find out more about his organization's uh, goals, efforts to lower the fuel costs here in the United States. A bipartisan, nonprofit organization trying to make your life a little bit easier. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, many people didn't like the outcome, but uh, we do have a friend up north that, uh, that may have some answers for you if you're not quite sure Trump's going to be your president. This election has left many Americans rethinking their citizenship. For those of you who are planning on immigrating to another country, we here at the Canadian Chamber of Commerce would like to share this important message. We've got attractions to suit Americans of all political persuasions. Welcome to Canada. For those of you who are flabbergasted that Trump even got the GOP nomination, why not give Ontario a try? If you're looking to get your real estate license, but have issues with attending Trump University Victoria, then check out Whitewater University, now scandal-free for eight years. Need to send a private email? Ontario boasts hundreds of internet cafes with secured servers, so you can live free from the fear of a lawsuit. And speaking of lawsuits, the legal team of Papillon, Papillon, and Leibowitz will fight for you the next time you're involved in a shady investment. Welcome to Canada. When you don't get your way, come our way, eh? This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. On this historic day, people use that phrase a lot. This was an historic election. Unbelievable. Crazy. Donald Trump is now the president-elect. Do you remember the guy, Donald Trump, that nobody thought could ever win the primary? That guy, do you remember him? Do you remember that Donald Trump that uh, everybody was sure was just crazy? Inconceivable! (laughs) President-elect Donald Trump. Uh, Melania Trump will be the first lady. Do do you remember Melania's the one that they made the big hullabaloo around because she borrowed a lot of uh, First Lady Obama's talk? Yes. She's the first lady. Good job. Uh, Ivanka? Remember Ivanka, best friends with uh, Hillary's daughter? And Mm -hmm. guess what? Daughter of the first lady. So is she going to well, have like the, an official the future? Well, yeah, not sorry, the first yeah, lady, not yeah. the first lady. Yeah. Da- daughter of the president. 
is and she, they're really close. I don't know if you've noticed. Is she going to have an official uh, fan blower at all of her events? Yes. She'll, yeah. And Donald, um, apparently you will now have the, what will go off, be flying off the shelves are hats with the president's seal. Nice. Will be on there. And every time he deboards a plane, he'll be wearing his presidential seal hat. He has to. It's yeah. probably a good idea. You don't want really... any fl- embarrassing flyaways. <laughs> you don't want that. By the way, did you notice last night um, his boy, Baron? Baron Von Trump. I don't think it's. I don't think there's a Von. There's no Von. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> no, Von. Yeah, I think you're probably thinking Von Trap. Yeah, I just. Yeah. Rip, yeah okay. Um, Baron, for a minute there, tell me how hard that's going to be. Baron is going to have to go from a high rise in New York with chauffeurs to public housing. To public housing in D.C. Gosh. Tough life on the kid. <laughs> Do you remember when – wasn't it Rudy Giuliani's son that kept getting in trouble on the podium? Every time yes. they brought him up, he'd like do something silly. Yeah. I think it was him. It reminded me – Barron was kind of like – he was right there, right next to his dad in this historic speech. It just seemed like it wasn't the perfect optics because Barron at times seemed bored. Like, okay, are we done? I got to get back to my video games. It, uh, it's happened. It, there you go. Again, mo- many of the country not happy. Uh, some of the country incredibly happy. Even those that are GOP still don't know what happened. Not sure they loved uh, Trump and what happened. But the reality is this is your president. And, and again, a large portion of the country just didn't vote. No. Again, just under half, huh? Yeah. But Both of them are currently at 48 percent of the vote. Yeah. Plus the media. Last night, watching the media scramble and try to explain this. Did you watch Wolf Blitzer? Yes. Keep trying to find anything. What about this? What about this? This could work. Margaret Sullivan from the Washington Post. Yeah. She wrote, journalists, college-educated, urban, and for the most part, liberal, are more likely than ever before to live and work in New York City and Washington, D.C., or on the West Coast. And although we touch down in the big red states for a few days or interview some coal miners or unemployed auto workers in the Rust Belt... We didn't take them seriously or not seriously enough. Mm. That's right. I mean, honestly, this is super important about listening to people. We, we, How many stories have we done on the show of middle Americans feeling like they're not being heard? Glenn, Beck, Glenn Beck was on NBC last night. Yeah. And he said, we're not listening to each other. That's what this problem is. Interesting. We don't listen to the pro- the concerns of all people. We just listen to those people we identify with. And uh, scary for me, Sean Hannity and those that you know, you know kind of do that type of shock t- radio, I guess we're calling it, yeah. um, probably emboldened, stronger, because he's been pro-Trump the entire he, time. He may be the first press secretary of the uh, Trump administration. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's by the way, it's also Chaos Never Dies Day. It just happens just to be that. That yeah. is the day. It's also World Freedom Day. Huh. Sort of conflicting views there a little Isn't bit. Isn't that weird? Is chaos and freedom mm-hmm. together? I don't know. Apparently. Hmm. Apparently. Um so all that fun going on. Let's get to some headlines and uh then we we've got a lot to talk about. In fact, one thing we will be talking about is why stress is more likely to cause depression in men than women. Because there's a lot of people right now that are stressed. Yes. And it, it might impact men more, which, by the way, it was white men that have probably been stressed because of income and jobs for the last years 
that may have been a major turn here So, um, in this election. We'll get to all of that in a minute. But first to Sadie Nielsen with the headlines. Sadie, what's going on? Hillary Clinton did not speak after a stunning loss to the 45th president-elect Donald Trump. Clinton called Trump privately to concede, according to reports, but she did not take to the stage. Late into the night, campaign chairman John Podesta spoke briefly to the crowd, expecting a Clinton victory in New York City before sending them home. Hillary Clinton will speak publicly at 7.30 a.m. this morning. The Oval Office announced Wednesday morning that President Obama had called Donald Trump to congratulate him on winning the presidential election and to invite him to visit the White House. Trump's visit is scheduled for Thursday. Obama initially called Trump while he was speaking to supporters, but the campaign manager Kellyanne Conway said it was returned when he left the stage. Conway said the discussion was a very nice talk. Vladimir Putin announced Wednesday that he wants to restore full, fully-fledged relations between the U.S. and Russia in the wake of Donald Trump's presidential victory. As I have repeatedly said, that it is not our fault that the U.S. Russia-U.S. relations are in that state, he said. Russia is ready and wants to restore the fully-fledged relations with the U.S. I repeat, we understand this will be difficult, but we are ready to play our part in it. Putin was also one of the first world leaders to congratulate Trump, and the Russia parliament broke into applause when his victory was confirmed. And finally, yes, um, a little off-election news for Good. your enjoyment. A California woman visiting Ohio was left geek-freaked when she realized her Uber driver had a famous voice. He recorded, you've got mail for AOL. Oh, wow. Brandy Barker, who was visiting Ohio during the weekend, posted a video to Twitter showing her encounter with the Uber driver Elwood. Elwood Edwards, who had one of the most famous voices in 1990s, thanks to it being used as sound effects by AOL. You've got mail. Welcome. You've got mail. <laughs> uh, Get into my car. Exactly. Uh, she said she was also satisfied with his performance as an Uber driver. She gave him five stars. Goodbye. Huh? <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> that is crazy. So if you ever go to Ohio Watch and you're needing an Uber, you should definitely look up Elwood Edwards. And I think you use the words geek freaked. Yes. She okay. geek freaked. I did not. I've never heard of that term. It's a real thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know some geeks that are freaks. That happens like multiple times a day to me. Is, <laughs> oh, look at that. This, There's this a new action freak. figure. There you go. <laughs> well done, Sadie. Thank you. And uh, man, oh man, oh man. Let's uh, just for fun. I wanted to, to to hear what Stephen Colbert has to say about uh, the election. So here's some things Americans don't fight about. No matter what your age, race, or political party, every American would agree that Kit Kats should be eaten in segments, not bitten into like a normal candy bar, you animal. And every red-blooded American knows that if you're ordering a bunch of pizzas, there's no reason to get a veggie one. No one's going to eat it. Plain cheese is veggie. And all of us, I believe that all of us, from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon, know that there are too many Portlands. <laughs> they need to be numbered. Oregon, you're Portland number two now. There you go. See, we're not so divided. There's many things we agree on. This came after, you know, a good chunk of time where the mood in the studio for the show that he was doing was just dead. It was just so somber. Oh, People oh, were bet. just in shock. Well, yeah, how, how can you be a comedian if do you, what jokes do you make? How do you get your whole show ready for one or another uh, one one uh, person to win or the and other? It he's been work. decidedly against Trump, yeah. as Wait. most of late night has. Yeah, because if Hillary would have won last night, it would have been a completely different show. It's a different. It's a different world. 
I mean, really, honestly, there was a moment last night. I don't know if you saw it with Van Jones. Um, Van, he he had, I think, one of the best um, pleas for America to come together. And yet uh, Lewandowski was right there and jumped right on the Lewandowski, you know, horse. And they had a little interchange. But we do. We need to – if there's any moment we could figure out how to come together – and I, by the way, I remember I remember being pro-Romney when Obama won and then all the Obama people saying, we need to come together. Yeah. No. We don't want to come together. But really, there's a moment where this is – Donald needs to take care of everybody. You say you're going to be everybody's president. It's time to be everybody's president. If you if you love the the decision and the the way the election went last night, then show some character. Don't taunt. Don't quit yelling. Lock her up. Even though they did last night. Did you hear that? Yeah. That was so not needed. It's not needed. It's not. I mean, whatever happens has to happen. But remember, yesterday on the show, the, one of the ultimate ironies is we talked to a professor that is has basically said. Donald Trump on the 28th has a, a, a court date in a, a San court Diego date with destiny <laughs> where many, many people in a class action lawsuit are suing him over Trump University. And it could potentially lead to an impeachment. That was his argument. No, that's like the extreme end yeah, of that's, that, that's how that rolls out. But. So don't, you don't have the power to say lock her up when your, your guy's about to go to court. For, and that's just one of many cases that are yeah. lining up. So. Let's just fix America. Let's just – hey, let's just make America great again. Ugh. It's – this is going to work, folks. It will work. Um, just uh, to have a little more fun, maybe change the subject on you. A Florida man is accused of using his glass eye to assault a doctor and a nurse over the weekend. So, so if you're if you're in, a, in a, an emergency room or in the hospital and you want you know a weapon – you grab your eye if you've got one, a, bl- a glass eye. you got to use what you have at hand or, <laughs> or in your head, whichever. Yeah. Uh, police arrested 54-year-old Edward Michael Dorsey Sunday morning on suspicion of domestic battery. Before taking him to the county jail for processing, however, the officer stopped by a medical center to have him evaluated. While inside the emergency room, Dorsey allegedly pulled out his glass eye and hurled it at a doctor and a nurse. Wow. Really hurt. Mm. I'm going to have a lump there, you idiot. A quote from the hospital. When hospital staff asked him not to take out the eye. No, no, you don't. You keep your eye in. Do not. I said, I can do whatever I feel like doing. And then he threw his eye. Maybe. Oh, go ahead. Have you seen someone remove a glass eye? Yeah. It makes a sloshy noise a little bit. You're pulling it out of the socket. Just kind of go ahead. Um, You know, maybe it was offending him. Yeah. yeah. If If somebody offends you. You you pluck it that, out. If if your eye offend you, pluck it out. Yeah. Hmm. There's another one about a moat and a beam. Maybe there was a moat. Maybe he's trying to remove the moat in his own eye. What is a moat? Is it just like it's a, a sliver? Piece of, yeah, piece of. So why do yeah. they say sliver? Because they say moat and people get confused. Well, it's just a translation issue. Is that what it is? Yeah. Moat is a little more formal. Just use the current. Translation? Oh. Yeah. Different mode than like water mode, right? It's just yeah. a, this little sliver. Uh-oh. Um, so <laughs> you got to watch out. Again, not every piece of news today has to be about the election. It could be about other, I mean, gun laws. By the way, that's going to change. Remember, everyone's like, we'll be 
having a new Supreme Court, that'll create all these issues are going to no. They're still the they're, they're eventually going to have to have the glass eye issue. Cops arrested uh, um, a few hours after. No, how does this work? Uh, an actor in Bridgeport, Connecticut, Sergeant Stacy Lyons, said they found um, a, a person being arrested just hours after being filmed as a cop, a police officer. Huh. So they uh, a TV series called Live PD was a show that purports to show real police in real working situations. Lyons was depicted arresting a man for domestic violence. Shortly after filming the episode, Lyons was then charged with disorderly conduct. Was she being punked? She was being punked. So she's on a show like Cops. Cops. And then afterwards she gets arrested. She she breaks into her ex-boyfriend's house. You know, the ex is important. She broke into the ex-boyfriend's house, got into an argument with the man, and apparently, you know, then was arrested. Huh. The ex-boyfriend said the pair got into a shoving match. Lyons left when he called the police. Lyons was then released on her own, promised to appear in court. She threatened him with a moat? No, I think that's... that's oh, that didn't happen? That was okay. the other story. So, life ain't bad. Florida, he won Florida. And if you... Uh, we were, I was just looking at a map in the other room, uh, versus Obama versus... Hillary. So you look at 2012 versus 2016, and yeah. she lost. Was it like four? No, three counties that Obama won, and that was the difference in in Florida. Unbelievable. Four, uh, three or four counties is all, all all that mattered in, in that race. But that was a huge win because all of a sudden he had Florida, then Ohio, and then you're like, uh oh, <laughs> what's you, he doing? Did you see John King on CNN standing at that board for that six so, hours? So <laughs> I actually had to turn away. But I love just him there. Kept Zooming in, zooming know, out. Look at this. Look at so that. He's so good, isn't he? Good. Who else? The it guy was, on MSNBC or NBC. Yeah. His board wasn't working quite yeah, they're, right they're, all the time. Everyone's trying to have a board, but yeah, his is good. John it, King is yeah. good, and he knows how to work the board. You know, boards are hard to work. Well, I think so because you work our board every day. It is. It is interesting. Those are are troublesome, and everyone tries to use them. Mm-hmm. And you have to do a lot of prep work. And he obviously has been doing this for several yeah. uh, eight, cycles now. Eight cycles. So he knows what he's doing. And they update the software, and he probably goes through a little training, and he's ready to and go. And then Wolf Blitzer, I think... Be quiet, let him talk. Wolf's to the point that he's like, he doesn't... He's over there with this pad of paper. Yeah. And he just jumps in. Hey, I think there's an update of the election map, you know, that you've got... Um, no, that's the weather map. Elect- oh, You're I You're watching, see. that's the weather That's the weather. Yeah, that's Al Roker. It's basically clear and sunny. <laughs> clear and sunny. So we got so much to uh, to do, and, and fun, folks. Again... Not everything has to depress you, which is why we're bringing on our next guest. Why stress is more likely to cause depression in men than women. Stress leads to depressed. Stick with us. We'll help you live longer, have healthier, happier lives and relationships. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
According to the World Health Organization, more women are affected by depression than men. This pattern is seen in countries around the world, including the United States. Cross-national and cross-cultural studies have indicated that the prevalence of depression among women is higher at any given time than among men. This pattern does not seem um, to have many exceptions. However, research is also shedding light into the fact that men might be more vulnerable to depression caused by stressful events. Here to to, uh, walk us through some of this research is Dr. Shervin Asarin. Um, uh, Asari, sorry, and she is a research investigator of psychiatry and public health at the University of Michigan and Arbor, and we appreciate you being here, Dr. Asari. Thank you so much. Hi, Matt. Thank you for having me. This is an important, I think, um, lesson, I think, for all of us, because I see depression with a lot of the clients that I that I work with. And um, a lot of times in men, it, it is. It's the loss of a job. It's the loss of, you know, maybe the ability to perform the job like they used to. And they fall into this depression. And I, I, a lot of I, I found a lot of us don't even maybe equate men to depression. But what I guess you're finding in your research is stress impacts depression for men. Yeah, the contribution of stress uh, for, as a cause of depression is bigger for men compared to women. And the reason is because uh, men get fewer stress compared to women. Mm. So if you compare, uh, more men are employed. Men get higher uh, pay. Men don't get pregnant. Men don't uh, get that consequence of divorce. Those kinds of things, so as a general and and premenstrual cycle, those physiological things happening to women. So as a general rule, men are less frequently exposed to stress. So they don't get the experience dealing with it. Oh, yeah. So so it's really kind of situational because we don't have the experience. We don't get the practice having to deal with it. Um, is that does does the chemistry is I'm assuming the chemistry is different too between a male and a female. Do our female bodies uh, do they produce different chemistry that create the ability to manage it differently, or is it just more psychological? Some of it is um, biologic, but my attention is on the social part. It's interesting that they uh, they have done the same type of studies in animals with have hierarchies and they have seen that the highest level of damage due to stress in causing heart disease, depression, those kinds of things is for alpha males. So it might be testosterone, it might be, but, but in my work it is mostly about expectations, what you expect from your situation in life and mm. your practice and your coping. Interesting. So um, uh, the men that are most likely to become depressed uh, because of stress are those that would ex- that that weren't expecting it. Maybe that didn't see this potential, you know, collapse in their life um, or their hierarchy. It's uh, it, it, a lot of this then has to do with just as an alpha male, perhaps they they haven't experienced it and they've never learned to practice their way through it. Yes, uh, this, this uh, research that you are referring comes from two independent studies that I published. One was using a 
cross-sectional means a snapshot of a health status of uh, American people in 2003. That was one study. I published it uh, last year. The second one was I uh, looked at the data, again, nationally representative data of more than 4,000 individuals who were followed from 1986 to 2011, and they had seen who got exposed to stress and who becomes depressed. In both of the studies, either it is a cross-section or it is a very long-term follow-up. It's men, and in one of the studies I found it is mostly white men who get least frequent stress in their life, who that doesn't mean they are more depressed. That means if stress happens for them, they are at most risk of depression. Hmm. If it happens, they are the ones at most risk to to suffer. So if the stress happens, they're at most risk to suffer the depression. Absolutely. Okay. And it is not just for suffering depression. They are the group who gets a gun and kill themselves. Mm, they take it to that extreme. Yes, exactly. Mm. Talk to us about how we how we respond differently. Um, how how do these men? I mean, I guess they they take action in a very negative way if they, if it leads to suicide. But how do men handle depression differently than women? In in a way, it seems like men don't have. It's we're not you know we don't talk as much maybe when we're stressed and we don't communicate it and we don't share it. You are absolutely right. The first thing is we are not that aware of not only our emotions, our body, even the perception of pain, even so, so any perception of risk. You know, if someone want to cross a traffic light just passing it without paying attention. We don't, we don't see the risk as much as women. So this is the main thing, the first thing, and it is irresp- irrespective of the domain. In all areas, women are more risk-averse and risk-oriented. So the first thing so is the awareness about our physical experiences and emotional experiences. So we don't feel it, really. Mm. And we don't get to our recognition that, okay, there is a problem. So that's the first thing. Then, yeah, we don't even, if we feel it, we don't seek support even before going to a doctor. Just we don't reach to our friends, as women do, and talk about our feelings and our pains. We don't do that. Just we keep it inside, and we want to keep being looking strong. Those kinds of um, uh, we stigmatize it. We we don't feel that we are safe if we go and we talk about our pain, and then we don't take our emotions to a professional, including a doctor or a psychologist. And it is interesting, even when we are sitting with a doctor and we have the opportunity, Mm. even in that case, we don't talk about our emotion, even if we are sad. So it is in all levels, there there are different levels of barriers. It's very systematic. Mm. That is... 
that's sad, right? Because, but we then quietly stuff it, and when we can't take it anymore, we're more inclined to go act it out or act on it and uh, do something more extreme. Is this is this a reality globally of men, or is this situational to the United States? How, how does that play out? You know, by reducing the traditional hegemonic masculinity ideologies, like we are, we are all these countries are transitioning from more traditional beliefs to more modernized type of way of thinking. So by the, the America today is much better and is much more open to the concept of depression as a health problem, not as a type of weakness. Mm. So we, the, the, our parents were worse than us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's getting better. <laughs> yeah, it's getting, there's hope. And, and how is it in comparison to other countries? Again, more traditional countries, worse. Worse. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess because so, so some of this is just the socialization of a man. Be strong. And I guess it's global. It's universal. Be strong. Show no weakness. Um, you know, maintain your position. Act as if it's not bothering you. Absolutely. And all gender differences are uh, smaller in countries like United States. When I say the pay in gap, it's much more traveling in Africa. So it is, but it still is there. When I say men get fewer stress, it's worth that the, the gap in exposure to stress is smaller, but it still exists huh. in here. Yeah. And I think that's a, yeah, that's, that's an important point too. Just, I mean, overall women suffer more depression, but men, when we have stress, we are more vulnerable to the effects of stress and depression. Exactly. And um, I guess in the end, what, what changes do you see that, that, or what impact does that have on our job, our families, our lives? Yeah, this is, the, you know, the family should be aware, in, in my understanding, should be aware of the fact about men that we don't talk, we don't seek help, we don't even have that awareness about our problems. Uh, from pain to psychological uh, distress, those kinds of things. Mm. This is, this is if, if media works on it, if family is aware of this gender or sex difference, if my partner is aware of that, then the way they would try to help us uh, in, in general and also personally would be very different. Yeah. Wow, that is... Um... That's important because if if the man might not have the awareness historically to just recognize it, let alone seek to talk about it, instead we stuff it and we don't go get the help, then we might need our family members that are close to us to to notice it, help us recognize it, push us a little bit more to, to bring it out. Yeah, you know, social support has different types. One is emotional social support. The fact that I can talk to a friend just drinking a tea with him or have a drink and just say, I don't feel that good. I, I have a problem in my life. This is how I feel. This has a huge impact, mm. protective impact. And if, if men better learn or work on the skill to do it, that would be a huge help to them. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Let's take a break. Um, again, we are speaking with Sherveen Asari, who is um, a, a professor, an investigator, a researcher of psychiatry and public health at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. And he received his postdoctoral training in racial and ethnic health disparities. Um, he's got a lot to teach us about depression and the impact stress has on men, particularly when it comes to depression. Stick with us. We're going to help you live longer and love stronger. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, on the phone with us is Dr. Sherveen Asari. He is um, a, uh, a researcher, investigator of psychiatry and public health at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. And he's talking to us about some studies that he's performed um, that, that point out the fact that even though women may be more inclined to suffer depression, men are more inclined to be impacted by stress and have that stress drive them to depression um, and then even more likely to you know, act on it in maybe an unhealthier way. Um, joining us again, Dr. Asari, thank you so much for, for walking us through your research. Oh, of course. My pleasure. Is it um, give us some ideas, some tools? What are things that we can do as just general, you know, as a man that feels stress to not fall into that depression loop? You know, I maybe I can say before stress happening and after stress happening. So for before stress happening, we need to learn how to better cope. To reduce the stigma, mm. the idea that depression or any mental health problem is not a weakness. It's like just flu or other problems has medicine and would go away. So a general working on our general beliefs and ideologies. Then uh, maybe uh, working on our relations with other men that we can feel better to talk about our emotions, those kinds of stuff. Hmm. This is before stress happening. Yeah. And when stress happens, to be aware that we are at most risk and we are more likely to get the damage of that stress. So we, we are type of vulnerable. And this is by design, uh, reaching to families, reaching to friends for even emotional support, not necessarily and not just exclusively professional support, just talking about this. Mm. And then it becomes to our families and friends and wives and partners to help us to reach and get professional support. Mm. Many times um, when I'll have a client and I see that they're depressed, I'll ask, do you, do you feel depressed? Do you feel a, a sense of depression? And I, I've noticed that sometimes, many times, they're, it's almost just so not safe for them to say that they are depressed um, that I think, oh, that's so, that, that's so sad. Everything they're showing and manifesting tells us there's something going on, and yet it's still not safe as a as a society like you were talking about. There's still the stigma there. What can we do better as um, 
as just coworkers, friends, family, to, to lower the stigma of mental health issues and, and show that it's not a weakness? Yeah, to me, it's more a job of media, public media, TV, radio. What you are doing right now is awesome, is just trying to reduce the stigma. These type of uh, higher level interventions are needed by media, uh, public, weblogs, Facebook, those kinds of things. Mm. This is one side of it. And then the being aware of that, what is happening with our friends? What is happening? Is he mm, more introvert these days? Just, is there anything wrong? And can I go forward and just offer a conversation or just a walk to have a conversation? So I divide it to higher level interventions by public uh, media, what, as I said, TV shows, uh, newspapers, magazines, you, what you are doing, covering. Mm. And then the other thing is just being aware that maybe something may go wrong and may just, just men may act crazy, may, may get a gun and shoot themselves. So be, be really uh, cognizant and aware of this. Fact. Mm. Does, uh, I guess, too, maybe there's other things we can do uh, to create or offer support, like at these transition points, I can imagine if a company's laying someone off, you know, um, maybe or terminating somebody, it might be a good idea to offer counseling as an exit package. And uh, or you know, if if there are events that are creating stress, the loss of a family member, um, it, it might be really important to make sure that. Doctors and medical professionals are, are maybe anticipating and looking more at depression. Oh, exactly. Policies, even state-level policies, like when transition to unemployment or retirement, when an economic crisis is happening and men are being affected, bankrupt, or those kinds of things, policies that would mm, be supporting or work as a buffer for them. Yeah, definitely mm. that higher level policies are extremely important. We, in fact, it's interesting. We don't, we don't think about it, but retirement's a big deal because it does add a lot of stress to your life. Even if financially you're okay, you don't have your identity, right? You're not the guy that goes to the office. You are not the, now you're home and your wife is stressed because you're always home. There's a lot of stress just around that stage. Yeah, negative interactions in home goes up after retirement, and then the self-worth or the self-efficacy goes down. Oh, absolutely, and health problems happen. You know, the impact of the, the getting a diagnosis of cancer to making a decision of getting a gun and kill themselves is huge for white men who used to live a happy life. Huh. When they get a diagnosis of cancer, they may not act properly. So exactly when we get to the mm, post-retirement type of time of our life, these type of policies become extremely important. Yeah. And I guess the key is, like you keep bringing up, is because there's a pre and a post, right? And pre, there's a lot of stuff we could be doing, should be doing pre-stressors. Um, that will set us up. Uh, and then there's all the stuff we can do post. It seems like many times in our world, 
we spend so much time on the post that we we don't we don't prevent some of this but um maybe this is something we can teach as a policy in our schools but teach our kids stress management better teach them anger management and emotion management absolutely you know everything it's not just for depression due to stress right. everything has primary secondary and tertiary preventive strategies primary prevention for this is yeah lifestyle life skills coping skills secondary is go uh, take care of yourself and then tertiary is when you have depression get the medicine mm. yeah and and again it doesn't it's not a life sentence it, a lot of it would be situational it sounds like situational stress situational depression that you could you're not going to be on the meds permanently oh absolutely you definitely 6 months 4 months of depression and then you would come back to life at mo- at worst mm. exactly and deal and i guess dealing with it effectively um on all three of those levels of intervention would 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 shorten the 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 um, shorten the depression. It would shorten the the rotation, which would get you back on your feet and probably mitigate the stress. Exactly. Depression causes heart disease. Depression causes a stroke. We know that. So if a person gets, especially among men, if a person gets depressed and does, just doesn't care, that means he's helping himself get a stroke in future. Wow. That's a... Uh, it's important, important stuff. Well, we appreciate you. Dr. Asari, thank you so much for your time, for being with us and giving us this insight on uh, how to handle the stress and the depression. Folks, you can't – don't mess around. Don't mess around with it. Um, guys, we need to pick up our game and get some tools, some information of about depression, but also I think information how to how to manage emotion, how to allow emotion to be a bigger part of our lives. I think – Many of the women in our world would would love to see that uh, we want to pick up that game. And some of that's just emotional intelligence. We just got to study, learn, listen, pay attention. We'll take a break. Come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. It's my house. Come on. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Welcome to my house, folks. Um, you know, boy, depression, it was, it was just chilling, I think, to have Dr. Asari talk about how when men get stressed, they're, more li- they're less likely to recognize it. It's more likely to lead to depression, and they're more likely to go act on it with a suicidal thought or a su- suicidal tendency and, um, or act. And... You know, that's it's it's something really important when it comes to any of us. When we hear a man mentioning those thoughts, you have to take it seriously. You have to say something. You have to do something because men don't usually do it or say it for attention. They usually if they if they say it, they're they're probably meaning it. And that's a that's a big it's a big deal. Um, so pay attention if you hear that from someone you love. I know it's scary, and I know it's quite the downer to talk about, but you got to take it seriously. Emotional intelligence, remember though, is it's it's a lot of things. Emotional intelligence is being able to recognize and be aware of your own emotion. It's also the ability to uh, involve 
other people into your emotion. So it takes emotional intelligence to go share your emotional issues with someone else. It takes emotional intelligence to recognize you're having depression or frustration or that you're down. It also takes emotional intelligence to manage some of the emotion. You know, to a lot of us might feel the need to yell and to be angry and want to lash out. But to be emotionally intelligent means even though we feel that need, we don't. We don't do it. It also means I have the ability to recognize the emotion in others. I can see that others are suffering. So, guys, don't think that you're the only ones that don't have emotional intelligence. Some people around you don't even notice it. It's it's something we have to do, I think, as an entire country. And maybe on the heels of this election, it's a it's a good topic to talk about. We we probably need to quit taking our anger and our frustration out. We need to probably st- quit labeling everybody because we 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 have to heal. And healing is going to probably demand that we all do something a little different, right? That we be different. Um that we actually expect uh, to to have a higher game now. It's it's big boy time. This is how you be a grown. This is how you have to act as a grown-up. Um, some other keys as I think about emotional intelligence, just in it, it, the research shows clearly it is something you can learn. So if you don't feel like you do a very good job with emotional intelligence, if you feel like you don't understand it, you can learn it, which is, I think, great news, right? Because now you're not set to just have to be, you know, clueless emotionally. Guys, you can learn it. And there are some that are really gifted in it and understand how to do it. If you're a salesperson and you just know how to read another person, you probably have some of this emotional intelligence. Use it. And maybe one thing we could do is try to be more open to helping other men, other people in our lives, open up as well. What if we kind of lost a little bit of the machismo, the backslapping to one another, and instead, actually, when we saw somebody was suffering, what if we brought it up? And you'll find a way to do it effectively. It doesn't mean you have to sit there and hug and cry with each other, but you might. It might just simply be you call your friend down the street that's been unemployed forever and is, you know, is in a funk, and you take the guy out to lunch. You just connect human to human. That's maybe all it is. You don't need to talk him out of it, but it might be pretty powerful if you can get him talking. And one way to do that is just point out the change. I've noticed you've you've been more quiet since, you know, you lost your job. Tell me. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're going through. It'll be pretty powerful. It's something that they they would probably want to share if it was safe enough. And if you can be that safe guy, then you become you become you almost become a healer, right? You're the healer for this person. Which is exactly what this world needs. More healers, less dividers. So, I challenge you. Go out there. Think of someone right now that you know is suffering, struggling. They're down, they're depressed. Ask yourself, what can you do today to make a difference in that life 
And just go do it. Whatever comes to your heart, whatever comes to your mind, go do that. Just that one thing. And you'll be amazed what happens next. That's where the miracles come. Just when we listen to our conscience, our essence. Anyway, we're going to heal. We'll heal. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Helping you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's the day after President-elect Donald Trump. Hey, what happened? What do you think of that? Who'd have thunk it? Remember, this was the same guy that uh, he's really not very good at this. He's he's also got the Senate. The GOP now is uh, going to be in control of the Senate, Congress, and the presidency. This is a big deal. And Clinton still hasn't come out to talk this morning. Hmm. She's in, what, like an hour late? You think she's maybe not feeling well. Yeah. I think it's emotionally got to be the biggest thing in the world. And if you were, I mean, just if all this was, if really her only medical issue, if it really was only pneumonia, even that would be hard for what she had to do yesterday. She was giving a speech at midnight Mm -hmm. somewhere. Was it North Carolina? And she had like four states she had been in. That alone is overwhelming. Then sitting there with the stress of that, she didn't come out last night. Which kind of broke, it seems like, protocol, Mm -hmm. especially if she knew she was going to be conceding. She should turn it over and at least go thank all of her people. She didn't do that. She still hasn't come out this morning. So short of them, I guess, counting votes or something. The the podium's ready. Podium's ready. And there's all these flags behind the podium. Yeah. So we're ready. They they said at what time? It was supposed to be at, uh, what, 830? 830 Eastern. 930 Eastern. 930 Eastern. So that uh, time has passed. By a couple hours. She'll come out. We don't want to start a They're testing the mics. They're testing (laughs) the mics. So. And again, really, she's got speechwriters that are professionals that I'm sure were still working on both speeches yesterday. Even if she thought she'd only need one of them. Mm. They have to have a backup, a backup, a contingency, and half of the speech would work. It's like you. You always have a backup. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you mostly go, um, Terry, do you have any other stories? That's it. That's and my I go, backup. yes, That's I my have default. a whole file right I just in front go, of me. I go to my speechwriter. Like this one. Yeah. A pregnant Colorado woman, four days before the expected arrival of her first child on election day, she uh, made sure that she went into labor Friday, but made sure she voted Oh yeah. beforehand. That was a story that came out yesterday. She voted and then went to the hospital and had a kid. This isn't the same woman that uh, made sure she paid at Walmart before she had a baby, right? Different she story. She paid Different and then story. she kept going and then she voted and then she had the baby. Wow. Where was this at? This was in Colorado. It's a lot of baby stories. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, different stories. I wonder how, how many people are going to be naming their baby Donald now. Hmm. Or Trump or Drumpf. Or Drumpf. Or Baron Von Trump? Uh, that's the Von's not part of the name. It could be. Baron is going to become famous. We could make it a thing. Yeah, I think it's Baron Von Jovi. Bon- oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know they were the same guy. Mm-hmm. 
Baron Von Jovi. Hey, today we will be talking about how to relax without having to leave your office. I've become a master of this. Yes. I have a hideaway bed under my desk. It's just a hideaway mattress. With some potato chips mm. and You should variety. have them build like a bunker. Yes. Kind of underneath your desk. Uh-huh. You have a little hatch, just slip in, yeah. and you have like a little little man cave down there. I'm trying to figure What's out. What's underneath your office? You don't want to know. What's down there? Is it engineering? No. Just promise oh, us. I don't know. Promise us you won't end up like John Goodman in that recent movie. What happened? Oh. That's right. It was um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't see he, that one. He, he's a little nutso in that movie. They were, uh, hiding, they were hiding from a monster, right? Can't do that. It was a, I think it was a virus that, uh. that may or may not have occurred because mm. the main character passed out in an accident before she could witness it for herself. So she doesn't know. <gasps> wow. It's confusing. It just ruined the movie. By the way, it's also Chaos Never Dies Day. <laughs> We just went through some chaos right there. I can just hear James Bond soundtrack in my mind. Yeah. And again, that it, it just so happens chaos, chaos never dies, dies day is today. It could have fallen on any other day. Could have. Could have fallen yesterday, two days like ago. Next year, on the 9th of November, it will be chaos never dies day. It will not be election day. That's true. See? Or the day after election day. It's also World Freedom Day. But if you listen to the international media, it's but that's in question. The world is now about to <laughs> collapse. So all that fun coming up. Um, plus, we'll go visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, get their political take on the whole thing, find out what's up on their show at the top of the hour, and then we'll do a little hero story. And if you're really lucky today, um, we may we may have a new sponsor from Canada. Hmm. The Canada Chamber of Commerce, they may have an answer for you if you're frustrated by the the election. And it could be, you know, Trump supporters, Clinton support, whatever. If you're frustrated, don't overlook Canada. We'll get to that in just a minute. But first, to Sadie Nielsen with the headline. Sadie, what's up? California, Nevada, Maine, and Massachusetts voters opted to legalize recreational marijuana use on Tuesday night, while one other state rejected the measure. Voters in Arizona came out firmly against the initiative. Protesters took to the streets of Oakland early Wednesday after Donald Trump's shock presidential win. According to local media, several different protests took place throughout the Bay Area city. About 200 people, mostly students, took part in a protest at the University of California, Berkeley, local media reported. Elsewhere, protesters reportedly lit flares and burned Trump, um, uh, while others lit garbage on fire in the downtown area. Florida Senator Marco Rubio has won his re-election race, defeating Democratic challenger Patrick Murphy. Rubio previously pledged not to run for Congress, saying he was devoting all his efforts to his presidential bid, which ended in a stunning defeat to GOP nominee Donald Trump. He reversed his stance in June after dropping out from the presidential race. Rubio has said that he intends to serve out the full term, meaning if he keeps that word, he will not run for president in 2020. And finally... Yes? In your upcoming Christmas news, yes. Toblerone has ruined Christmas for thousands of Brits and Americans alike after changing its mountainous chocolate peaks. Mm. Mondelez International, which produces the Swiss chocolate, has added a huge gap between its famous triangles, so naturally people are losing it. You're a monster! 
The controversial move has reduced the weight of Toblerone bars. 400 grams are now 360, and 170 are now only 150. What? And fans are so distraught about the whole catastrophe that the issue has even eclipsed another news story of the day, how Donald Trump won the U.S. election. Hold on. He did? Yeah. No. I was so obsessed with my Toblerone. I know. It's crazy. You so, know what, though? Tobl- I mean, it's, it's, it's better for your diet now. So it's almost a health food because they took out, what, 60 grams? Was it 60? Well, I think they open up those little slats so you can insert uh, like a healthier option in there like to an eat Oreo. together. Like you carrots. Have, no, like, yeah, carrots. <laughs> Celery. Uh, asparagus. An orange slice. Garbanzo beans. Uh, edamame. Ooh, I would oh. try that. I would definitely try mm-hmm. that. Salty edamame. But you'd have to you'd have to depod them first. That takes yeah. me back to the Brussels sprouts and chocolate we were talking about. We, we might as well just cover Toblerone chocolate with Brussels sprouts now. <sighs> Brussels sprouts. That's Terry's game. I'm not a Brussels sprouts guy. It'll eat a whole bag. My wife will just cook them up when I just go to town. They're good. It's amazing. If don't put anything on them, just boil them up. I like warm the edamame. Because uh, mm. after you do about 50 of those and you see the pile, you really get the sense of accomplishment. Oh, totally. You feel very healthy. Yeah. Especially with all the salt you put on it, too. So healthy. Oh, yeah. Yep. My heart raced just right then. It just, like, jumped up a beat. Just the salt on the edamame. Mm. Or the salt on popcorn. I'm on a low-salt diet right now. Mm. And So you're salt-depleted. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe you're salt normal and you're just missing the extremes. Hey, by the way, last night I tried a little bit of P87Y. That's the new uh, supplement, dietary that's, supplement? That's the new workout I'm doing. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Yeah. We thought you were taking injections or something. No. I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to actually name the other name of the real one I'm doing, so I made up a P87Y. Yeah. Richard hey. Simmons? And, and yes. If you know. Sweating to the oldies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is hard because I am salt depleted. Mm. So sweating is a big deal for me. So true. So true, and yet so not true. So here's um, here's a story that we've been wanting to get to forever um, about – where is it? There it is. No, there it is. Okay. Florida officers report th- – he reported himself for a red light violation. Hmm. Cops have been getting a lot of bad news lately. Right. Like a lot of bad press. Bad press. They don't care. They just do whatever they want. But listen to this. An officer whose full-time job it is to review and issue red light camera tickets issued one to himself last month. Hmm. Officer Tim Glover has worked for Haines City, Florida Department for six years, much of it spent in charge of the city's red light camera program. The cameras are placed at 13 intersections in the city limits. In September, Glover says he didn't even notice he'd turn left just after his the arrow tur- uh, turned red. So he came across his own incident while he was reviewing possible violations sent by the red light camera operator a few weeks later. He then explained at the time that he was watching traffic in the lanes going straight, and followed a truck in front of him without noticing the light had turned. Glover said he knew it wouldn't be right to cut himself a break. I could have easily just hit the reject button. Probably nobody would have known it but me and God, you know, but I'm not that type of person. Hmm. What would you do, Matt? Oh, I would have just said reject. Eh, I know better. Well, because I know my intent. No harm, no foul. My intent was not to run a red light. Right. It was just to get to work on time. So he doesn't discriminate even against himself. No. 
He's a saint. Wow. He's a red light saint. So he told the supervisor about the violation and had him officially sign the ticket, and he paid $158. Now, got to be for those cameras somehow. Yeah. It's a really important lesson. This is a big lesson, right? Because how many people now are claiming, you know, there's the system's rigged? If you're a billionaire, you don't have to, you can win the presidency for 100 mil. Just shy of that, yeah. Or if you have a global fund, you can make $100 million and you don't go to jail if you have email issues. There you go. So everyone's been claiming it's all rigged, mm-hmm. but it's not rigged in Florida. In that one town with that one guy. You're right. Bright side. Yeah. You're kind of negative. Play clip 13. 13, you say? Yeah. We will have so much winning if I get elected that you may get bored with winning. Believe me, I agree. You'll never get bored with winning. We never get bored. So much winning. Never. There we go. Yeah. We're going to win. Woo. It's a it's a good thing. It really is. Uh, and again, what a great officer. Officer Tim Glover, you're my hero, my f- hero number one of the day. We'll have another hero in a few minutes. Nice. Multiple heroes. it reminds me of the story that we found with the SCPD, South Carolina Police Department Night Shift, which is a program we air here, I think, on BYU TV. But yeah, again, another example of a a police officer that doesn't discriminate. On the next SCPD Night Shift. (laughs) It's 2 a.m. and I'm currently in pursuit of a half-naked male heading south on Veneer Street. I've got them clocked at 1.5 miles per hour. And most people think it's the high-speed chases that are dangerous, but it's actually the low-speed ones that give you the most trouble. The suspect appears to be topless, and it also looks like he's wielding a bottle. Uh, oh, he, he just took a swig from it now, and he's uh, zigzagging all over the place. I swear, these perps are looking younger and younger every day. Oh, okay, he's slowing down now. He's slowing down. Like his battery gave out on him. Time to take this guy into custody. Sir, do you realize how slow you were going back there? Uh, Sir, I'd appreciate it if you didn't use that kind of language with me. Sir, your speech is clearly slurred. I'm going to have to place you under arrest for your safety and the safety of the other drivers. Okay, I'm going to need backup on this one. This perp is taunting the officer and he keeps getting out of his cuffs. SCPD, night shift. Cleaning up the streets of South Carolina, one toddler at a time. BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, late breaking news. Our guest that we were expecting to talk about um, how to recharge at work, had an emergency recharging moment where she had to take her child with a fever to the doctor. So, Oh, I thought she was just going to watch TV to watch Hillary yes. speak to us. Hillary is about to, uh, to, I guess, discuss. I mean, she's already conceded, so she's just about to come out, I guess, and talk, did you, talk to her people. Did you say she's conceded? Yes, she's so conceded. Now, she will concede. Uh, she's already said it to the big Trumpster. That must have been a crazy phone call. 
Remember, these people went, she, he went to her wedding, her daughter's wedding, for heaven's sakes. Right. Can we confirm that it was Hillary actually conceding and not somebody from her staff it, on her behalf? It was Donald. I mean, it was uh, Bill talking in a really high-pitched voice. <laughs> Let's see if I can find it. I actually read it this morning. Did you? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, another interesting thing about last night um, was I just really like Pence. Pens? Pence. I've got a bunch of pens right here. No, no, no. Uh, Mike Pence. Oh, okay. He's the vice presidential candidate with Trump. Just a good guy. How would you like to be, you know, he was an Indiana governor, kind of a really conservative governor, and now he's the vice president of the United States under Donald Trump. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. So let's see. It was it was three p.m. That was November eighth. Are you checking? No, I'm just trying to. I'm, your phone. Th- I actually read a an account of what the phone call was between Trump and Clinton um. last night, and it was interesting because it was a. Uh, yeah, so they were going to that. I'm trying to because uh, Uma Abedin was involved and Kellyanne Conway was well, in yeah, the middle Uma, of all this. Apparently, you said called. So Uma called the phone number they had, which is a phone that was in the hand of Kellyanne Conway. So Kellyanne answers the phone and Uma's like, "This is Uma. I'm calling for Hillary Uma, Clinton." How are you? I am so good. You know what? I am so tired. Are you tired too? Yes. <laughs> Every time like, you refer to her as Uma, I just immediately Uma think Uma Thurman. Uma Abedin. It's a different Uma. And she's like, is Mr. Trump available? She says, yes, please hold. They hand the phone over. There's a f- phone call lasted a minute. Yeah. Hillary Clinton says, congratulations. He said, thank you. You ran a very tough, a very, you know, tough race. Appreciate all you've done. S- similar to what he said when he walked out and gave his mm-hmm. acceptance speech. And, you know, it was really quick. It's over and it's done. And now we have live feeds watching a full room of people that probably been sitting there for over an hour <laughs> waiting for her to walk out and have not, some comments about what happened last night. Not as long as the people sat last night waiting no. for. You know, we do have a clip of uh, a woman, just a, a regular voter who was just devastated that Hillary Clinton didn't win. Oh. It's sad anymore. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Calm down. Now get back to your seat. I'll take care of this. Calm down. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Oh, wow. wow. So, uh, maybe that – was that Tim Kaine that came in and yeah, calmed Tim her down? <laughs> no, because then he'd break out the harmonica and just start playing the harmonica. It says here, Kellyanne Conway recalled Trump's end of the conversation. He said, you're a smart, tough lady, and you ran a great campaign. Thank you for calling. I respect you. Hmm. That's cool. Somebody today on the, one of the morning shows was, um, was talking about the moment he received the call. And how how very somber he was. He was very – he was like – he was struck. Like now it's real. <laughs> now you got to be presidential. Oh, I've got to do this job oh, now? wait a second. Yeah. Now, now here's my problem because what you'll now have are all the pundits, the, 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 the ones that have always been kind of pro-Trump that are going to now start reformulating what this means. Yeah, and I I just would challenge all of us to let's, let's think bigger. Again, let's think bigger. This isn't a mandate. 
right? You look at the popular vote, Hillary Clinton actually has more votes in the right. popular vote. Right. Trump won more states, so yeah. he gets the electoral vote, which, right. which is what settles all this. Act, Obama tried to do this too, and he didn't have a mandate after 2012. It was really close. Mm-hmm. I love won, going on mandates, he by won, the way. He won more states, right? So, I mean, trying to, to run around like America wants this, like right. half of America under half, because we're still sitting at 48% each when it comes to the and vote. So it's even half of the people who voted. One of the big things that did come out of this is it didn't seem like it was as much about party. It was much more just kind of about, you know, the the haves and the have-nots. So... Because I think there's a lot of Democrats that that were kind of in between and on the in the middle, and there are a lot of Republicans that didn't vote for Trump or didn't right. want Trump or only voted for Trump because they really don't like Clinton. Exit polling last night, questions were asked: What is your opinion of President Obama? And it came back: fifty-four percent of people polled from the exit polls had a positive view of Obama. So the the then you kind of extract what that means, and it comes out that this wasn't against him; it was more against Washington, mm-hmm. against the whole body of politic that's out there. Yeah. Like we're just rejecting all of that. I think the numbers were so in so much in his favor, just because compared to the two of these candidates, sure, yeah, both, yeah, he's a great guy. He's he's a great guy. It's um you know what who what's really going to take a hit and it scares me is uh the pantsuit industry. Right. Mm. You know. They cannot afford this right now. And you know, you know you know Trump will probably pick up that industry, make it Trump pantsuits. <laughs> but you know it'll also be shipped off to China. And it was already starting to ratchet up production. I mean, <laughs> Beyoncé needed pantsuits for all her dancers no, exactly, behind her at that exactly. concert. Exactly. So they had to come up with that. But. And I mean, many people said a pantsuit hasn't been worked like that before. <laughs> it has not. <laughs> so is took pantsuits to a whole new level. Is the, On the TV, is this the, the crowd for the concession speech or has there been a funeral? Yeah, yeah I think this is a wake. <laughs> people are not, not happy here. It's, that's the problem. Half this country isn't liking this day. No. I, I think probably more than half. I mean, it's it, – it, we want – I mean, how many times? Everybody wanted something different. So watch the spinsters, okay? We've already learned all the spinmeisters out there are going to uh, – first of all, they were wrong, right? I mean, even if a Hannity or whoever was out there saying, no, this he's going to win, he's going to win, that's – I don't know that Hannity speaks for everybody that voted for Donald Trump. He'll claim to. But, but that was the only place for months you could actually see Donald Trump speak publicly was right. either at a rally or on Hannity's show. Except, again, I mean, every others were speaking on Hannity's shows over the years that also lost. Yes. And it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Mm. Let's just – can't we just be friends? Can't we just be friends? Uh, we're going to take a break. But before we do, again, some people aren't happy with this. Republican or Democrat, but I want you to know, regardless, you always have this show to listen to because we care about you, and you'll always have Canada. And when we come back, right, we have Canada. I also have a list of excuses to get out of work. 
because it might just be too tough for you. Oh, yeah, yeah you go into the need. office today. I have a list of excuses. They're kind of out there, but they could work on a day like today. Let's get moved, moved to Canada. Is that one of them? So we'll give you some some options. I think Canada might be might be mentioned in here because that's what we're going to talk so about. So here's a take um, from the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, one of our new sponsors. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It is, uh, it's just, it's, right now, Hillary Clinton is about to take stage to uh, make some announcement, I don't know what, or just make some comment for the first time. Her vice presidential candidate uh, running mate, Kane, is out there right now introducing her, I guess. And so um, we'll let you know if we hear anything, any breaking news on that topic. But before we, uh, before we go much further we've got to find out other excuses you could use these excuses today if you feel like not going to work that's what they're trying to say with this article that was written career builder who wouldn't want to go to work career builder which is a website i'm familiar with (laughs) if you're looking for work you're probably familiar with it also yeah um the survey of three thousand full-time workers two thousand full-time hiring and human resource managers they found that 35 percent of workers took sick days when they were perfectly healthy in the last 12 months that number is up from or down from 38% the previous year. So last year, 38% of sick days were they knew because the people were not sick. Hmm. Some of that might be because offices are taking more of a an approach of if you can just take a day. take it, Use it as a personal day. It's a sick day, but it's a personal day. I don't know. They're more open to those ideas. Right. When asked why they called in sick, 28% said they just didn't feel like working. <laughs> 27% had a doctor's appointment. 24% said they need to relax. 18% said they need to catch up on sleep, and 11% ran personal errands. Wow. Now for the excuses. Okay. Those are just like... This man. is what you've got to tell them as to why you're not coming in. That's right. So here are some of the goofiest, of course, because we're not going to tell you the ones that are like legit. Those aren't funny. The first one is the ozone flattened my tires. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. A pressure cooker exploded and scared my sister. Oh, boy. So that might have been uh, a little too timely when those came yeah. out. Um, I have to be a pallbearer at a funeral for my wife's cousin's pet. Boy. That's a little extreme, wife's little cousin's involved. Pet. Police are raiding my home. <laughs> you may want to have some proof on that one. I'm, I'm under sure. indictment. I had to testify against a drug dealer and the dealer's friends mugged me. So that actually could have happened. Um, my roots are showing and I have to get my hair appointment. I know you have a, an issue with that with some of the... Yeah, I always have to go to the beauty salon. Just for men products you use mm-hmm. to uh, keep your my, sandy my blonde quaff, or whatever yeah. that is. Um, I ate cat food instead of tuna and I'm sick. Ooh. That could totally happen. My llama is sick. Do you have a llama? I used to. Would you His name, guess what I named him? What's that? Barack. Barack Olama? Uh-huh. Mm, so he's like, he's Irish. I can't put my arms down at my sides because of chemical burns from my <laughs> deodorant. Wow. These are bad excuses. Yeah, I know. You think they could see through these. I'm bowling the game of my life, and I can't make it to work. <laughs> hmm. Can't you just say, I'm going to take a sick day? I found a gigantic spider, and it's stressing me out. It's it's trapped me in my home. Why, why are we at a piano bar? Why not? It just I, seems I, like... I, I have better things to do. I ate too much birthday cake, and finally, I was bitten by a duck. That duck done bit me. Do you think any of those would work? No. All right. Just, you just say, you know what? I'm going to have to take a 
sick day today. It says 33% of employers say they check to see if an employee is telling the truth. They ask a doctor for doctor's notes. They call the employees at home to see what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, or drive to the 18% so they actually drive to the employee's home to check on them. Really? That seems a little extreme to me. That's what Michael Scott did in the office. Yeah, but isn't he that's he's the example you don't want to be. It just seems obvious. All right, well, we'll take a break. Um, Oh, actually, Hillary Clinton just took stage. So we'll be getting you some headlines on that. Um, uh, But, you know, actually, let's take the break. We'll give you some uh, of the first words that we hear from um, Secretary Clinton and uh, see what now. What's the take? Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show helping you through this very, very interesting and historic day. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, right now, Hillary Clinton is um, is on this is on the podium and talking about uh, a few things. She said um, is that we, you know, she sincerely hopes that Donald uh, Trump really will work for all of the people. She hopes that she's sorry. She says she didn't. She wasn't able to pull it out and pull out the election for the many people that had backed her and the many people that had been supporting her. And she mu- we must accept this decision and move on. She also says this is painful and it will last for a long time. Yeah. So <sighs> there you have it. But you know what? The reality is, too, she's she's done what she said she would do. She said she would accept the results and she did and taught, I think a a pretty powerful lesson there as well. Now let's go down and visit our good buddies. It's kind of an interesting segue to them. Our good friend Spencer and Jerem down at BYU sports nation, find out what's going to be on their show at the top of the hour. Hello gentlemen, make BYU sports nation great again. (laughs) It used to be so good. You guys, are you going to start using hats that say make BYU sports nation great again? No. We're just going to hope that someone else does it. Especially not red ones. Why? You could use blue ones, huh? Well, red's the color of the U.S. now. It is. All three. What do you think? That was a crazy night. (laughs) I was fascinated last night. night. I was fascinated for like probably four or five hours just... Just watched and eating Halloween candy, weren't cleaned you? Cleaned the house while I watched uh, all of the election coverage. It was it was really intriguing. I went to Doctor Strange as yeah. you call, and then so when when I got out of it, I was like, oh my goodness, Trump with the upset. I I thought it was going to be Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I think most people thought. It was oh, I did be. too. So pretty pretty crazy that Donald Trump is the president elect of the United States of America. Like, is this I, Ronald Reagan wasn't out there that much, but just like an obscure figure because. Typically, it's like some right. previous politician of some kind, and he was a, he was a movie star. Reagan was. I <laughs> yeah. mean, this was like in Back to the Future. They mocked that, like the movie star Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, so pretty crazy to wake up yeah. and be like the president elect oh. is Donald Trump, it the is. man who single handedly took down the USFL. Is <laughs> that's now what the I president thought that's this morning. I was like. He couldn't even run the USFL. Now he's going to run the country. <laughs> you guys are probably the or only two that were thinking it? that last night. <laughs> he didn't run the USFL, but he, he ran it into the ground. Is what he, he ran did. It into the ground. The oh, what, what's it like? I was I loved watching the talking heads try to make sense of it all. Oh, That's the funny, expressions right? on yeah. all of the analysts who were like, 
oh, this is going to be a Clinton landslide. <laughs> I think uh, Yahoo had her with like an 85 or 90 percent chance of winning the election going into oh, wow. Election Day. Mm. You know what? What in the world? And and the big thing, Jay-Z, uh, um, Beyonce. Beyonce? Be- Beyonce. Beyonce. Be- Beyonce. Um, and uh, what's his name? From Cleveland. Oh, LeBron James? Couldn't Le- pull it Lebron. through. LeBron James? He couldn't pull Ohio What's through. What's amazing, Ohio or Pennsylvania. She spent her last night in Pennsylvania right. kind of like, oh, this is my state. Let's go there. Let's have a big concert. Let's get a bunch of famous people to back me, and it'll all be good. Man. Donald Trump won Pennsylvania. Ugh. Wasn't that the clincher? Too? Yes. That's crazy. It's uncanny. What, once, what? once he got Ohio, they said the crazy stat no Republicans ever made it to the White House without Ohio. Yeah. So once he got Ohio, it was like, okay, he's got a shot. Yeah, and he, and had he Florida. got Florida. Yeah. And he got Florida, and it was like, whoa, oh! So, I, he, so I, I turn on my phone after Dr. Strange, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, did that blow your mind? People are like, Hillary's blowing a 3-1 lead! <laughs> <laughs> In the eighth inning. Um, yeah. is, it, is it, tell me this, um, do you think this is going to change Kanye West's plans to be president? Uh, it may. Yeah, yeah. Donald <laughs> Trump may have an effect on well, uh, his future plans. We'll, well see. It means that anyone could be president that has money. Yeah. Well, and great hair. You would call that great hair. Wow. Well, he paid big money for it. He's not the president <laughs> yet. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, hair isn't cheap. His wife also paid $4,000 for the outfit that she was wearing last night during his acceptance oh, speech, apparently. Cow. How much did you pay for the outfit you're, outfit you're wearing today? Uh, let's see. I think I got the shirt I am wearing, the <laughs> pullover from the Nike outlet in Las Vegas. I think it was like 20 bucks. Yeah. Liar! Liar! Um, Liar! The polo I have on underneath I got for free as a gift from BYU TV. Yeah. And uh, the slacks, I think, I don't know, like 30 bucks. Yeah. So you're up, you're up to 50 bucks. I'm up to 50. Yeah. <laughs> But you look like a million dollars. You look like a million dollars. Well, how do you guys follow that? I mean, what's you're you're still going to do your show today, we right? Absolutely. Not just because of oh, we are. Oh yeah. Somebody needs to tell Jerem we're doing the show today. We're going to do it. What uh, what's on your show? Propositions for one. We oh, released right. three propositions to change the future of BYU Sports Nation. Yesterday, mm. we gave people the power of democracy to vote. And have a say. We will reveal the final results from our three propositions. Excellent. And it's a quarterback discussion today. Tanner Mangum was the miracle worker last year, right? Well, he's had to take a backseat to to Taysom Hill all year long. We think he's going to get his shot at, quote, meaningful reps on Saturday against Southern Utah. So we're asking everyone, what do you want to see from Tanner Mangum on Saturday? Huh. Now, let you tell me this. You've got a loaded team. Do, do we really rest everyone? That seems strange. Once, I don't think we will. Once you're up big, though. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Oh, I guess that's thing. the, yeah. That's the point. You know. Yeah. Because you're Develop also going to rent. Guys, yeah, you're going to rest the running backs, everybody. Okay. You reward guys that have worked hard but aren't as good as the starters or the mm. backups. So you'll see a lot of third stringers. So, yeah, it's, it's not going to be the most. The goal is for it not to be entertaining. Right, no, That's right. That's the goal. You, you want a game like – I wish that this game came earlier in the season so the BYU could rest his starters and prep, you know. Because mm-hmm. you only have – like as a running – Jamal Williams' body can only handle so much at like maximum right. speed, right, 100% effort or whatever. Which is still like 10 times more than my body could handle. <laughs> 10? 
at one yeah. percent effort. <laughs> yeah. So Tanner Mangum will play. What do you expect? What do you want to see from him? Yeah. What do you oh, want to see? I want to see long ball. BYU has two passes of thirty plus this year. Uh, or is it four? It's gonna be fun. It's just something extremely low. So yeah, that'd be nice to have. One it's more. time. It's time. We're gonna go two on one with the man who left Southern Utah as the head coach mm. to come up and take the assistant head coaching job at BYU. Ed Lamb. What is it gonna be like for him to match up with his former team and players, guys that he recruited? Yeah, he's gonna have an advantage. And it's a BYU basketball game day. Lee Kamard, the former great and now graduate assistant in studio, as well as the 2017 BYU men's volleyball schedule release with the great Sean Olmstead. <laughs> that great. That's cool. That's a great show. It's a busy, busy day. But it is a busy day. So I don't hear much politics. I mean, maybe you guess you're not going to talk about it much. Huh? Well, we'll get our politics in with our propositions and... We'll tell you who was repping the Y in Democracy Plaza last night. I saw it. For all to see. I I did see the BYU sweatshirt. No, did I? Oh, no, no, no. That was something else. Sorry. Mm. We know we know the guy. That someone was repping it. Okay. And um, it, I just really am afraid that if one of the propositions I want to I don't, you don't have to tell me, but if you quit using the word elite... Isn't, wasn't that one of the propositions? Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. afraid, because uh, I voted for that, and I have a feeling I didn't, I'm not going to win. Anyway, mm. I won't. Matthew? I won't. I'll tell you this much. Yeah. That was the nail biter. Oh, was it? The closest. That was like the Michigan? The closest of all of the votes. Ooh. In fact, you should pay attention. Okay. I'm going to go, should, I'm going to go look right now and see where it is. You should pay attention. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Man. Best of luck, gentlemen. Thank you, brother. And God bless the USA. Woo! May it survive. It survived the biggest election, the most chaotic election. Now it's uh, now it's got to survive the aftermath, right? Will the uh, boy? We've got we've got a lot. Uh, Hillary Clinton just wrapped up. She seemed quite. Um, oh, she's still, she's going. still going. Graceful. I, I, I pulled mine down. Actually, mine only ran ten minutes because that's all I put in. I only put in one coin. Mm. So, um, but she seemed very graceful. She seems healthy and alive and well. Yeah, she's she's got a pretty good composure. You can see that uh, that uh, Tim Kaine is a little emotional back there. Yeah, but she's keeping it together. Well, I mean, Tim Kaine just lost his job. Yeah, and we learned in one of our shows today, in hour number two of the show, we learned that that could cause depression. That causes stress and depression. So. Um, do you think the Clintons maybe could benefit from uh, booking a session with you? Yeah. I mean, I do couples counseling. I, I wonder if they'll stay together now that the oh, political yeah. career is yeah. pretty much over. I think the way you look at it, they've been through the hard times. Now they can just rock on the front step of their Chappaqua compound. And uh, whittle <laughs> and set set a spell. Yeah. Bill could set a spell and whittle out himself a little flute, a little whistle. <laughs> By the way, they're, they're also sporting – I think both of them are sporting um, the color purple, which would be the blend, the mix, the unifying color of red and blue. Oh. Symbolically. I thought maybe purple. it had something to do with the ink from yesterday. Remember how yeah, one no. of the counties no. was missing some ink? No. No relation to that. It's chaos never dies day, folks. Chaos never dies. It just kind of reorganizes for a bit, and then 
it goes into chaos again. It's also World Freedom Day. Um, one story that we, we really wanted to make sure you, you got was this uh, couple has officially changed their names to Santa and Merry Christmas Claus. Merry Christmas Claus? Mm-hmm. Husband and wife in Omaha, Nebraska have officially changed their names to Santa and Merry Christmas Claus. Do they look like Santa and... Um... I, I didn't see the picture of them. Hmm. They, by the way, were formerly known as Jeff and Mary Brookstein. The jovial Mr. and Mrs. Claus now have the Mary monikers year-round because it's official. They are Santa and Mary Christmas Claus. I thought maybe they were in consideration for a job at a mall this <laughs> holiday season and just to seal the deal. They, yeah. What's your name? Uh, it's Santa Claus and Mary Christmas Claus. Boom, mic drop. Boy, you get the job. <laughs> You're the first. Is your name really that? Oh, yeah. Check my W-2. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the – Does that? I guess that's, that is the closing. That, that's how you get a job. You want a job, change your name. I bet there's a lot of people changing their names to Donald Trump. I bet you children named Donald will go up enormously. It, you know, it worked for me because, uh, you know, I still go by Jeff Simpson, but to get this job, I changed my name to Matt Townsend. Oh, really? So that when you're out of yeah, town, yeah. How'd and that go people for say, people, some people say that we sound very similar. Like, yeah. And so, yeah, I just figured it would be a, a wise choice. Okay, awesome. Because I actually have some calls I need you to make this afternoon. Okay. So if you could just. I've just got some people you need to talk to. There are people that are a little angry. Are they politically charged? Yeah. Oh. And so I'm just going to have you play my double. That'll be fun. (sighs) I know. What can I say? Hey, as you know, we always like to end on a hero story. And today, first of all, the heroes are all of you that chose to vote. To get out and vote, you're heroes. But... Another hero is a neighbor that steps in to rescue a dying toddler. Listen to this. A heroic neighbor saved a toddler's life after he turned white as a ghost and stopped breathing in his London home. Hitesh Rao was settling down in his home to watch soccer match last week when he heard frantic screams from Bayriye Hassan, who lives next door. Bayriye then began banging on the door and he rushed to open it. Knowing something was seriously wrong, the 46-year-old man said, I could hear her on the phone to her husband, and she was in hysterics. When she banged on my door, I was dreading what was wrong. She was holding her son. The top of his nose was, um, and his forehead were blue, and the rest of his face was clammy white. He was limp and wasn't moving, so I grabbed him, put him on the floor to do the baby Heimlich maneuver. The mom placed around uh, the room, uh, or paced around the room and called 911. Hitesh was trying to fail and failing to resuscitate the two-year-old boy using the techniques he learned as an EMT many years ago. It wasn't working, he continued. I did about 30 slaps on the and on, on his back and that last little bit of pressure. And uh, guess what happened? The baby suddenly vomited from his nose and his mouth. And guess what? Saved him. Saved the baby boy. The boy and his parents spent the night in the hospital, but after getting the all clear the next day, he came home to find Hitesh had bought him a scooter. What a guy. Saved his life and bought him a scooter. Again, a hero, folks. A hero. And that's all it takes is to be there, to be willing to uh, to step up and do what you can do. It doesn't always work out, but you did it with the vote. 
Now let's all step up and make America great for real. Let's not just expect one person to do it. Let's all change the way we think uh, a little bit and and look for a little more um, compassion towards one another. That's the show. We'll be back tomorrow to give you more ideas, information to live longer and stronger. Until then, make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.